0: Listener Production.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That fart really threw me off. (laughs) That was real, everyone. That was real. Jacob just farted. It was definitely real. Oops. Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis.
0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. And when you're hearing this, I'm going to be up in northern Western Australia diving on Ningaloo Reef, and I cannot effing wait to get some warm weather and some sunshine and to get back into the ocean.
1: Oh, you haven't even been in the cold. You've been in Sydney on the sunny coast. What's what's the coldest it gets there? 15?
0: Dude, it's been getting down to like seven, six degrees because of these oh, polar really? flares. Yes. Like oh, this is my first okay. winter in a few years and it's been the most extreme winter. And as I keep saying to you, I do not have the constitution <laughs> for this climate.
1: So I- My fragile constitution <laughs> simply cannot handle the cold. Um, no, down. that's true. Jacob has refused to come and visit Melbourne because it's winter. Mm-hmm. He won't come here. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're recording over Zoom because uh, Jacob chases summer. Mm-hmm. That's your life. I'm solar and, um,
0: powered and I've got to go recharge these batteries.
1: Yeah, and so you're going up to the uppymost corner of the westy Mm-hmm
0: tippy part of Australia that's right
1: well that'll be fun we're going
0: diving with whale sharks ooh and with humpback whales ooh and there's an island where you can go scuba diving with seals and apparently it's like rolling around in a bed with puppies they're just like really curious and playful
1: These are all you're things like, I would no, hate you to do. Your I know, you're I'm like, getting
0: more and more horrified. Like, no. <laughs> recoiling ah. from the microphone.
1: <laughs> it's like I'm opening more and more presents that I hate. Ah,
0: <laughs> I
1: love it. <laughs>
0: <gasps> yeah, it wouldn't be for you.
1: How are we friends, truly? How are we friends? Mm.
0: Yin and yang. It's like
1: the other day I was at um Ikea with our friend Emily And because she just moved to Melbourne and we literally had opposite tastes. Like every Mm. single thing she picked up, I was like, I hate it. It's hideous. And (laughs) every single thing I picked up, she was like, I can't believe you like that. You're gross. (laughs) And we were like, how are we friends? (laughs) Because I'm so maximalist and she's Mm. so minimalist. But um, you and I have very different ideas about nature and how much we'd like to be in it.
0: Mm -hmm. Very. But opposites can attract.
1: None for me. Opposites can attract, Mm. and clearly we do, Mm. when we're inside and we don't have to walk anywhere. (laughs) Jacob's also one of those people who tells you that somewhere's going to take a minute to walk to Mm. and it's 22 kilometres away.
0: Guilty. He's one of those. One of
1: them. He's one of those. Mm. Um, Well, I guess we're recording two weeks ahead, so we don't have a lot of breaking news, but we'll just um, see where the chat takes us, shall we? Mm -hmm. Last week it took us to some some interesting places. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: apologies to all the parents whose kids were exposed to that
1: hey man if you've got your kids listening to us you've got to expect it at least you've got to at least think it might happen that we start talking about genitals at least once per episode it's It's good it's like a health class Mm, yeah okay here we go (sighs) Do, 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 do. Breaking news, I breaking news. I got the scoop I see extra, extra, read all about it. I breakin news. Do, 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 do. It's coming down the wire. Well, I guess the main thing that I want to talk about, which hasn't aired, it's airing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the week that we're recording this, is the neighbors finale and whether or not <gasps> Ramsey Street gets blown up. Oh, Which is the rumor. I don't think it will, but I hope that it
0: does. (gasps) I did see a picture on a magazine just before I came here with Jason and Kylie and some other cast members. Terrible. And Margot
1: Robbie's been confirmed. Um, Guy Ritchie's confirmed. Like everyone. I think Jesse Spence has been confirmed. Everyone's coming back to do a little cameo. The finale episode's going to be big, and then I hope that Scott and Charlene blow it all up. (laughs) That is my dream. Or, or um, what's his name? Um, Harold. I want Harold to blow it all up. (gasps) The one who was married to Madge.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, So by the time this airs,
1: this Thursday, which is the twenty seventh, is it? Yeah.
0: We might have so, to jump back on the microphone and do a bit of an update. We
1: might have to jump. if if Okay, if they blow up Ramsey Street, mm-hmm. I promise you, I will jump back on the microphone and do an update. <laughs> I don't think they will, but it has been a rumour that I've heard on the grapevine mm-hmm. for a while that they're just going to go out with a literal bang, mm-hmm. but we'll see.
0: Fingers crossed.
1: Fingers effing crossed. So... That's kind of all the breaking news I have at this point. (laughs) Can you think of anything else major that's going to happen in the next two weeks before this airs?
0: (sighs) Of course not.
1: Think of the myriad medical problems I could have in that time. So many.
0: <laughs> there are a few left that you haven't yet sampled. So, Oh, yeah. there's
1: a few I haven't sampled. So who who knows what's in my arsenal?
0: <laughs>
1: that's a funny word. <laughs> have you ever said arsenal out loud? Arsenal. I think that's the first time I've ever said it. <laughs> arsenal.
0: If I ever have, I've, I've, it's not struck me.
1: Hey. Arsenal when is arsenal okay keep going okay no sorry
0: go 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 all right here we go take it away all right so this week i am telling the story of a poor european immigrant who smuggled himself into the usa and he joined the us army for a few years then he joined the circus for a few decades then he became a household name around the world by turning an unknown truck driver into one of the biggest stars of the last millennium, Elvis Presley.
1: Ooh. This is
0: just the gist of Elvis's manager, the man history remembers as Colonel Thomas Andrew Parker.
1: Is this the guy that Tom Hanks plays in the movie? Yes,
0: in the new Baz Luhrmann Elvis film this yeah, is who yeah. Tom is playing yes and he's oh, got some I haven't mixed seen it, but reviews
1: yeah I haven't seen the movie but I've heard that he is the worst thing in the movie he really is which is unusual for Tom Hanks
0: mm, yeah um, a lot of people have been saying it's the worst role Tom Hanks has ever played has
1: ever played
0: yeah um, and you know, at the same time people are saying that they're then saying Austin Butler who plays Elvis does just the most incredible job. So yeah, phenomenal. there's tons of praise for Austin Butler and then yeah, a lot of derision for the sort of caricature character that Tom Hanks is playing. And I get it. I'm with them because.
1: Really? Well, have you seen it? Yeah, I
0: have. And yeah, it's kind of like he's almost in a different movie because he's got that, fat suit and those prosthetics which is so unnecessary they could have just hired an actor with that sort of body type
1: yes tell me about it that happens with women all the time they never hire fat actresses they always put thin actresses Mm -hmm. in fat suits Mm -hmm. but that's a whole other just the gist
0: yeah so that seemed completely unnecessary and then yeah if you've seen it you probably had questions about the accent and whether the accent was real because he's got this very okay. very strange vocal affectation throughout the movie and it is yeah. exaggerated so 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 oh, much compared to reality. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So it's not like with Anna Delvey where everybody blamed um what's that actress's name Julia for doing Garner? a ridic- Julie Garner mm-hmm. for doing a ridiculous accent but that's actually how Anna Delvey talked. Yeah. Yeah,
0: okay. That's right. Speaking of Julie Garner, she was successful. It's going to be Madonna. As Madge. Yeah.
1: Yes. There was like this boot camp for um, actresses to audition to play Madonna in the new biopic of Madonna, written and directed by Madonna. <laughs> and... Uh, can't see can't see this going wrong. And um a lot of people were up for the role, like Florence Pugh and some other girl from Euphoria and um Julie Garner mm. in the end won. Apparently there was like eight hour a day boot camp dance dance offs mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing. So she's gonna be perfect at yeah. it. Perfect at it.
0: That's another one we're yeah. definitely going to see together.
1: Oh my god, definitely. And
0: I hope it's a train wreck. <laughs> Um okay, so you haven't seen the new Elvis movie, but do you know much about Elvis at all?
1: Um, no, all I know from the ads of the Elvis movie is that there is a guy called the Colonel mm. who um, made him famous. Yes, yeah, that's all I really know about the context of that. and I mean, and other than that, I know about Elvis, what everyone knows about Elvis, just that he's Elvis, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Came from Memphis. Blue suede shoes. Yeah. 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 I also was aware. Died
1: on the toilet. Yes. Uh, Died on the toilet.
0: We'll get That's to that a little everyone. bit later on. Yeah. But okay. spoiler alert: uh, when I went to see Elvis, I was not expecting that the Colonel would be the villain of the story. I didn't oh. even think he was going to be that big a character. Okay. So anyway, I saw the movie, my biggest takeaway was a bunch of questions about who this guy was, where he really came from, why no one realised he was an illegal immigrant in the USA, was he really an evil person like they tried to portray him in the movie, and did his voice really sound anything at all like that? (laughs) So I'm going to try to answer those questions for you. Okay. All right. So for the entire 22 years that Elvis knew his manager, he believed that the guy's name was Thomas Parker and that Tom Mm -hmm. was born in Huntington, West Virginia. And just like everyone else, Elvis thought that Tom spoke with this slightly odd accent because of growing up in... West Virginia. No one really knew what a West Virginian accent yeah, right. sounded like. Also, okay. because he had a very slight speech impediment, it was hard to draw the line between what's the accent and what's his inability to say right. ours because he'd never had any sort of speech therapy. Yeah, And okay. he believed Tom was an orphan with no siblings who'd grown up in the circus mm-hmm. as a carny. Everyone mm-hmm. pretty much <laughs> Who knew Tom Parker just accepted that story? He told very few people the truth, and even the truthful version of the story that he shared with those people was incomplete and very, very hazy. And yeah. Elvis died in 1977, knowing nothing of what <gasps> I'm about to tell oh, you. Oh,
1: really? He died so he never found the out
0: was Tom Parker, but. Oh, In reality,
1: Thomas Parker's
0: real name was Andreas Cornelius van Kauk, and we'll call him Andre because most people did until he changed his name. He was born in a really small town in the Netherlands called Breda in late June Mm -hmm. of 1909, which made him a cancer. So, of course, he was very temperamental and Mm -hmm. quite moody.
1: Of course, mm-hmm. of course,
0: yeah. Uh, he was the fifth child of nine kids in a very poor Catholic family, seventh of 11 if you count the ones who died. So he was Their smack houses. bang in the middle and classic middle child, frequently acting out to get attention and to try to sort yeah. of make himself stand out from the crowd. And yeah. just like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he's. Biggest influence in his life was his hero, his grandfather. And Mm. the reason he looked up to that grandfather so much was because he lived this wonderful nomadic lifestyle as a traveling salesman. He'd go around to fairs and markets and festivals all around the Netherlands. And to little Andre, that just sounded like the most exciting dream lifestyle that he aspired to. And the grandpa was also a bit of a hustler. He knew all sorts of sneaky little cons and he taught Andre the art of the sale from a very uh, young age, okay. taught him yeah. methods he could use to influence and manipulate people to get exactly mm-hmm. what he wanted out of them. And- The other thing you need to know about little Andre was he loved the circus more than anything. His favourite time of year was when the Kermis Fair would come around. That'd be like the Royal Easter show. He'd get so excited every year when it was coming around then he'd just want to spend every single hour of every day there while it was running. He loved it so much that when he was nine years old, he got a job there and became a (laughs) carny for the first time in his life. His mother was horrified and tried to stop him, but she couldn't stand in his way. So nine Mm. years old, he was there doing all these odd jobs, helping to set up tents. (laughs) Um, He'd be riding around the town on his bike with one of those sandwich board signs on it with posters promoting (laughs) the fair. Um, Some days he'd be in charge of looking after the animals, Um, no matter what job he had though. He absolutely loved it. And a couple of years later, when he was 11, he tried to run away from home so he could just join the circus full time and spend the entire wow. year traveling around the country Who literally does with that? Them.
1: Right. <laughs> literally runs away from home to join the circus. Yes. That's like, that's rare. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he was just... Obsessed and he ended up getting expelled from school because he was wagging so much. He'd just disappeared to different towns to go and check out their fairs and their circuses. So that was the end of his formal education when he was eleven. From then on, he was Mm -hmm. just picking up work in fairs and carnivals wherever he could. And over the years, as he got better and better, he was promoted to more high-profile jobs, one of his favourites that he was promoted to was being a barker for the first time. So the step right up, step right up, ladies and gentlemen type role for a fortune teller. And because he was a natural born schemer, the fortune teller was charging 25 cents, but he told people it was only 50 cents. So then he could (gasps) pocket the other 25 cents himself. And then he learned how to tell fortunes for himself. So the... He could then (laughs) employ another Barker to come and promote him so he could keep the entire 50 cents that he was now charging. total hustler. Total hustler. Total hustler. One day in May of 1929, he just didn't show up for work. And they weren't sure whether that was because he was just running late or when he Mm. didn't show up all day, they thought, well, maybe he's sick. So someone went to his place to check on him and all of his things were there. Everything he owned and cherished, all his favourite suits that he was obsessed with, like he liked to consider himself to be a really snazzy dresser. His identification papers were there and all of his life savings was there. And he loved his money Mm. more than anything. They couldn't find a trace of him anywhere and they were really worried that he might be dead or he might have been abducted. Mm. They had no clues to follow to try to track him down. And then a few weeks later, they got a very mysterious letter. It was written in English and it had a postmark from America and it was yeah. signed Andre slash Tom Parker. And the family would like, this is, who's Tom Parker. It wasn't clear to them yet that this was the first stage of him changing his name and changing his identity. Over the next few years, Andre kept sending photographs of himself and these letters that were then only signed Tom Parker. Everything he sent them was super vague, never confirmed where he was or what he was doing. There was no return address, so they couldn't write back with any of the questions they had. But at least they Mm. knew he was alive and He was smiling in most of the photos, so it seemed like he was, well... They had no idea that he'd enlisted in the US Army.
1: It's so random.
0: Very. They also didn't seem to question how odd it was that he'd gone missing on the exact same night a woman had been murdered down the road from (gasps) his mother's house.
1: Oh, Uh, what? ah, Stop it! Was not expecting that! Mm Oh, yeah. okay. So he
0: vanished, ditched all his belongings and left his identity behind on the 17th oh. of May 1929, the same night that this woman named Anna van den Enden was violently killed in what was ruled to have been a robbery. She was 23 years old. She was recently married and she lived with her husband behind the greengrocer shop they owned. Yeah, She'd been hit in the back of her skull with a blunt object so powerfully that her brains were coming out of her ears.
1: Oh! Big hit. No!
0: And then the person who'd killed her had clearly some level of remorse because then they'd tried to bandage up. The back of her head to try to stop oh, the bleeding, no. even though she, Too late, she would have buddy. been killed. Instantly. Too late. Yeah,
1: yeah. so can't that, shove the brain back mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. Nah, she nah. was gone.
0: Um oh. no one seemed to connect the dots to Andre's disappearance until decades later. Ah, oh. and the woman who's done the most thorough job investigating this is the author of the book I read called *The Colonel*, which is all about the Elvis Mm-mm. and Colonel saga. Her name is Alana Nash. She has a huge amount of respect for Colonel Tom Parker. And Mm. she laid out these facts and this theory. And even though she acknowledges there's no real hard, tangible evidence, she believes in her heart that he is responsible for Anna's death. (gasps) Um, So, yeah, he'd started up this new life in America in the army. We don't know how he got there, probably as a stowaway on a ship. And
1: what year is this? This is 1929.
0: Okay, Mm. yep. Um, He gave the new name when he went to enlist Thomas Parker, Mm -hmm. seemingly because one of the guys who was like interviewing the new recruits was named Thomas Parker. And he sort of went, oh, okay, that's a nice name. I'll have that too. And so from then on, he was Tom Parker. And over the Mm -hmm. next few years, he sporadically sent letters and photos to his family, but then he just suddenly stopped and they assumed the worst. They hoped he was alive and well somewhere, but they Mm. couldn't rule it out that he may have died. They wouldn't Mm. find out until the 1960s that he was alive and well and managing Elvis (laughs) because he didn't contact them for three decades. And in that time, a lot happened to him. He spent his first three years in the army in Hawaii and joining the army meant he automatically renounced his Dutch citizenship, but he didn't automatically get US citizenship. So he was a citizen of nowhere. Mm -hmm. When he was redeployed to Florida, he went AWOL out of the blue as in away without leave because he found out there was a circus in town we know how he feels about circuses
1: <laughs> he couldn't stay know, away <laughs> so he was
0: AWOL traveling around with this circus for five months and then when he oh came back his punishment was pretty severe he was sentenced to two months in military prison in solitary mm. confinement That caused him to have a complete mental breakdown that led to him Mm. being diagnosed as a psychopath and (gasps) discharged from the army on medical grounds at the age of 24. So he's been diagnosed as a psychopath. He's on the run. He's murdered um, someone. (laughs) Hiding from the crime he committed with an assumed identity. And of course... He went right back to being a carny, which is the And perfect he's obsessed fit for anyone with circuses. Yes.
1: Which is weird. <laughs> which is just scary and weird. So he's a scary, weird dude. Uh-huh.
0: And he fit right in with all these other people who were on the run for something or other. Yeah. Very comfortable because no one asked questions about anyone else's life or jobs. Moving into the late 1930s, he had a brief stint as an animal rescue field agent for the Humane Society. So, like, a legitimate, Mm. well-paid, salaried job. But, of course, he couldn't resist finding ways to earn some extra cash on the side. He set up the Mm. first ever pet cemetery in America, charging people (laughs) an exorbitant (laughs) amount to bury their pets and do a full funeral service and headstone and all that sort of stuff. While he was working at that animal rescue shelter, he started up another little side hustle to make some extra cash and organise some concerts to raise money for the Humane Society, of which he was pocketing most of it. And he did have a little bit of experience already from when he was a carny working as a promoter for country music artists. That had given yeah. him some connections to use as a bit of a toehold to get into the industry down the track. And mm-hmm. yeah, he started organizing these fundraising concerts and getting an understanding of how the music industry operated as mm-hmm. the years progressed. Now, an important thing to mention here would be in 1940, there was a government decision to introduce something called the Alien Registration Act, which basically meant anyone who was in the USA illegally could come forward and declare themselves without any repercussions and they could apply to become a fully fledged US citizen. And that would have been the perfect opportunity for Tom Parker to become a real legal American, but he didn't take that chance and he probably... Chose not to become a citizen for two reasons. Firstly, he was scared of anyone digging into his past and learning about that Mm. little murder he may or may not have done. Yeah. Um, and also he had this theory that if he was a citizen of nowhere, he could never be tried in a federal court and he could never be extradited anywhere. He sort of thought he was untouchable okay. as yeah. a non-citizen. Which was in theory. In theory, yes. Yeah. So he stayed an illegal alien by strategic choice and as the mm-hmm. years passed, he focused more and more on promoting country music acts and then ultimately getting yeah. into management. Over time, the side hustle became the main mission and he left the animal rescue business and he repped some fairly big artists and faves that I'm sure you know and adore, like Eddie Arnold and Hank Snow. For oh, the time, I love Hank
1: Snow. Yeah. That was oh. a really, really
0: big deal to land Hank. Um, <laughs> and then in 1944, while his career was really starting to, to take off. World War II Mm. was still going on. And Tom was 35 years old at that time, so he was eligible for conscription. Really Mm -hmm. didn't want to go to war for obvious reasons. So he did what Homer Simpson did when he wanted to work from home he started eating huge amounts of food so that he'd put oh, on it. enough weight to be classified as unfit Too for obese. service. Yes, that's right.
1: Oh, my God. So he dodged
0: the draft by just eating, 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 eating. That's He'd always had a fairly big frame, but that's how he yeah. became such a big guy trying I mean, to get out of serving in the army.
1: There are some people who dodge the draft by shooting a toe off. Mm. Why didn't they just... See, he is kind of smart. All of this stuff is harebrained and crazy, but smart.
0: It's getting him what he wants and he always got exactly what he wanted. So, if we flash forward to 1955, he crosses paths for the first time with Elvis Aaron Presley because his assistant told him he should really go and check out this 19-year-old kid from Memphis who was causing a bit of a stir and was definitely worth looking at. Elvis had a very unique sound that was starting to get him some buzz and... Mm. Colonel Parker could see Elvis was likely to be the next big thing because he was so unique. So he booked him as an attraction on the tour he was operating that featured a bunch of up-and-coming music acts to test him out yeah. on the road and see the audience response. You get a taste of what the audience response was like in the Baz Luhrmann
1: yeah, Elvis movie. Yeah, which is in all the trailers. The girls just like fainting and losing their minds That's and right. orgasming through nothing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a dramatisation, but it is sort of capturing the effect that Elvis really did have in real life. Yeah. And Elvis quickly became the star of the entire show. They put him on as the closing act. He was a massive draw drawcard. The colonel Mm. could see this kid is a star, so he did everything he could to insinuate himself into Elvis's career as a special advisor to begin with. And then within like a year, he'd pushed out Elvis's existing manager and taken over for himself. Mm. He'd also ditched his own business partner so he didn't have to share any of the income, which at that time was 25% of whatever Elvis made.
1: Whoa. Yeah.
0: Elvis was like super naive. And the only people who were looking out for his best interests were his parents, who were also very naive. And Colonel yeah. Parker took advantage of that. Down the track, he'd end up in some arrangements with Elvis where the Colonel was taking 50% or more <gasps> of Elvis's nice. earnings. Yeah. Because from the very beginning, the Colonel sort of thought of Elvis as just another attraction. And he, the Colonel, right. was the one who was doing all the hard work promoting and hustling and mm, mm, you know mm. all the back end stuff was where he thought the real work was done. So he sort of saw it as Elvis is taking fifty percent of what I make as opposed to me taking
1: right. 50% yeah, of yeah, what yeah. he's yeah. earned.
0: Yeah. Um Colonel Tom didn't think that this was going to last very long. He thought that mm. Elvis didn't really have a lot of staying power. He was really just a novelty act. So he wanted to cash in and make as much money as he could before everything fizzled out. So he used all those salesman, hustler, con artist skills he'd been honing as a carny since he was nine years old to cash in Mm. as much as possible on Elvis Fever. He got Elvis a new record contract and they released his first two albums in 1956. They both went straight to number one in the Billboard charts (gasps) and that was the first time any rock and roll artist had ever hit the top spot on the Billboard charts. Oh, wow. He got Elvis on TV and got him the highest appearance fee of any performer In history. This is how good he was at negotiating. Yeah. He's a hustler. All right. He got Elvis a huge deal with Paramount Pictures for seven movies after doing just one screen test.
1: Oh my goodness. Also, made
0: sure that Elvis was still free to go and make movies for other studios as well. And for the first time ever, the Colonel negotiated a cut of the box office for himself personally.
1: Oh, oh, whoa. Personally.
0: Ultimate negotiator skills. Um, Also, because all those years in the carnival, he knew how much profit you could make from the concession stands at Mm an entertainment mm -hmm. venue. So he started making all sorts of Elvis merch. Lipsticks, jewellery, posters, cushions, everything. There were like 80 different types of Elvis merch you could get wow. immediately. Famously, he made a bunch of badges that said, I love Elvis and also a bunch of badges that said, I hate Elvis. So whether you liked him <laughs> or loved him, <laughs>
1: your he was money was
0: going to Elvis yeah. and then to the Colonel. He sold $22 million worth of merchandise alone <gasps> by the end of 1956, the first full year of Elvis being on
1: That's 1956 money.
0: Nuts. Right? Whoa.
1: Uh Okay.
0: And then just... So
1: he's... Whoa. Oh, yeah.
0: Biggest star on the planet and it happened so quickly because of Colonel Parker. And there are a lot of people who think Colonel Parker, you know, scam artist and basically Mm. think he was the devil, but they can't deny that he was responsible for making Elvis such a big star so quickly.
1: He was earning... He was earning oh, yeah. a cut. He, worked he was damn earning hard a cut of that well. money. Yeah. Yeah. He was earning a cut of that money. Mm-hmm.
0: And like I said, he didn't think it was going to last.
1: So yeah, he kind of right. saw it
0: as a blessing when Elvis was then called up to serve in the army, mm-hmm. which happened in 1957. The colonel knew that if Elvis went off and just did basic training as a grunt, mm-hmm. it'd be really good for everyone long term. Colonel Parker never went to visit him. He didn't have a passport, and for the reasons we've discussed, he wasn't going to apply for one. He just stayed behind and ran Elvis's career with total control and prepared for his comeback, which happened Mm -hmm. in 1960. Elvis was discharged and shimmied on back to the USA. He had the rank of sergeant. He also had a teenage girlfriend named Priscilla.
1: Priscilla. Uh-huh.
0: And he had a fondness for amphetamines. Bum, bum bum. That's where all the drug use began. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-huh. So Elvis made it back to the US. Huge fanfare. They did a massive welcome home tour. There were photos of him in every paper and magazine around the world. Shortly after Elvis's return, he learned he was going to be taking a break from touring and from all TV appearances and just focus on his movie career. Elvis was down with that. He really wanted to be a serious actor, but when they tested that out, it flopped. The fans wanted fun, campy romps where Elvis sang and danced with cute girls in exotic locations. That was perfect for everyone involved in the early days because it meant they got two bites of the cherry, the movie ticket sales at the box office Mm. and also sales of the the soundtracks yeah so they were pumping out at least three films a year those films were big hits in the early days but then because the colonel didn't care at all about the artistic quality of the films or any of elvis's work for that matter he just focused on getting the studios to allocate more and more of the film's budgets to paying him and paying Elvis. So the quality mm. of the scripts and the sets and the costumes and the co-stars, everything kept degrading. So Elvis started to become a bit of a daggy joke.
1: joke. Especially because oh, no. the
0: Beatles were on the scene and the uh, Rolling yep. Stones were huge too. So Elvis was seen as pretty lame. And It's kind
1: of like boy band material around yeah, when all these serious rock bands came out. That's
0: right, yeah. Yeah. Like the musical style and taste. Oh, it's a vibe shift. A vibe shift had happened. A vibe shift. Yeah, a vibe shift had happened. And he'd been left behind. So the movie started to flop, which obviously affected the colonel's income and he could not have that. So he stepped in to reinvigorate the Elvis brand. Mm. First step, he told Elvis he needed to marry Priscilla to drum up some publicity for himself. Mm -hmm. So they'd met when he was in Germany and she was just 14 years old. At
1: the time. Uh, yes, I did know this. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ick. And how old was he?
0: 24. Not, yeah. not good. Unsavoury. Uh, they'd stayed in touch when he went back home and then she moved back to America a few years later. They'd been living together in secret for more than four years. When she was 16 or 17, they moved in together and the colonel was like, okay, it is time for you two to make it official, organized a wedding for them in Vegas in 1967. And that got some positive media coverage, even though they they were in love, but they were reluctant to sort of formalize it in that way. The colonel was like, no. It's got to happen. And then yeah. they used all that positive media coverage to promote his comeback special on TV in 1968, which was his first appearance on telly in eight years and first oh, performance wow. in front of any live audience in seven years. Oh, wow. And it was a huge success. Like hundreds of millions of people were watching this. Yeah. It's a very pivotal beat, well, chunk, I should say, of Baz Luhrmann's movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And it looks absolutely spectacular. Such a phenomenal show. And it did exactly Mm -hmm. what the colonel was hoping it would do. It proved that there was an appetite to see Elvis perform live. And so the colonel went, all right, we're done with Hollywood. Let's go back on tour around the USA. And then let's start doing some residencies in Vegas because he was Mm -hmm. a very keen gambler Mm -hmm. and loved an excuse to spend some time In Las Vegas. (laughs) And all around the world, people were like, oh, yes, Elvis is touring again. So offers were flooding in from promoters in Europe, Asia, the Middle East, begging to get Elvis to come there and tour. They were offering huge money. There was one example where someone from Saudi Arabia called up and offered $5 million for Elvis to go and perform (sighs) there. The colonel said no. And then they called back and said, all right, let's make it $10 million. The colonel said no once again. He turned everybody down because he didn't have a passport, he wasn't going to apply for one, oh, might risk exposing himself as a murderer if people looked of into course. his past. And then he also didn't want Elvis touring without him because someone might steal Elvis yeah. away from him, even by just simply saying, oh, you know, I only take 10 to 15% of my client's yeah, income, yeah. not 25 to 50%. So the colonel had this philosophy, if he couldn't go somewhere, Elvis couldn't go somewhere. And as we've discussed, he's been a master manipulator his entire life. Pretty easy for him to convince Elvis that he was better off staying in the US, letting people come to him where it was safer and everything was easier and it was all going to be more profitable. So, oh, pardon me? Elvis only ever performed outside of the US in 1957 in three cities in Canada. After that, the only time he left the country was to go do his army service.
1: That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: The colonel didn't even go with him to Canada that time either. Even though he didn't need a passport to move between Canada and the US, he was just so yeah. paranoid about Did leaving US soil and then potentially being sent back to the Netherlands. Yeah. Flash forward to 1977, Elvis died on the toilet. Do you know how old he mm-hmm. was?
1: Ah. Uh, f- Forty
0: something, forty
1: two. Yeah. Oh, that is so young. Tragically
0: young. Um, he that is so yeah, young. He'd taken a huge amount of prescription drugs to try to fall asleep, and oh, his heart no. gave out. Over oh, the previous seven years, he'd been forced to maintain this grueling performance schedule, touring around yeah. the states and doing two shows a night in Vegas for stretches mm. of months at a time, and. It, that all got him on this cycle from fairly early on of being on uppers to go on stage and then yeah. needing a lot of downers to get to sleep afterwards. Like Judy
1: Garland. Yeah,
0: and then just needing more and more and more, more over and more time. More and more and more yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just the Colonel who was pushing him. It was also Elvis's father, Vernon, who was really mm, okay. setting things up so that Elvis just had to keep going no matter what. They needed the money to keep coming in. Elvis's spending Mm. was outrageous. Famously, he just splashed cash around in such a ridiculous manner. Sometimes he'd come home and rather than bother taking his dirty shoes off or wiping his feet before he walked on the white carpet, he'd just walk on in and then instruct someone to have the carpet replaced. The next day, like <laughs> really wasteful, uh, indulgent spending. Plus, like
1: wiping your bum with money kind of spending. Exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, the Colonel also had these famously large gambling debts mm. because he was basically living in Vegas. He was spending mm-hmm. 12 to 14 hours a day gambling. <gasps> Sometimes he would even gamble in his own hotel room, he'd just have them send a roulette table up to him oh my god so you know there were many days where he would be losing 100 to 200 thousand dollars yeah so he also needed the earnings to keep coming in because he was getting 25 to 50 percent of those revenue streams yeah they should have been the richest people on the planet but they were just blowing through their cash almost as fast as they were making it Mm. And along the way they made some really stupid, short-sighted decisions like selling the publishing rights to all of Elvis's songs to a record company for a few million bucks just to get a quick cash injection, not thinking about future implications. Elvis was just on this hamster wheel and there's one famous instance that his friends talk about when they were in Kentucky and Elvis had taken so many sleeping pills they couldn't wake him up and his personal Mm. physician was literally dunking his head in iced water trying to get him to wake up. The colonel came along and started shouting at everyone, the only thing that matters is that that man is on stage tonight. I don't care what you have to do, what drugs you have to give him. All that matters is he's on stage tonight. He was clearly unfit to be going out to perform, but he was an attraction mm. first and foremost he was the money maker. And colonel needed that attraction to make it to the stage that night um we all know he was really unwell in his final years he mm. didn't think he had a problem though so he wasn't asking for help Anytime it was suggested to him by people like Priscilla, he'd just Mm. brush it off. And he'd surrounded himself with a bunch of enablers as well as these people who were pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm -mm -mm. So he didn't take the time out to get help and to detox and his body just gave out. Gave up and when the colonel got houses. the call to tell him the news, his top priority was getting in touch with the merchandise manufacturers to make sure there was enough stock mm-hmm. available to meet the surge in demand that was going to come in the next few days, weeks, and months.
1: That's cold. Oh, That's yeah. ice cold. And
0: then in the next few days, Elvis had a couple of open casket viewings. Everyone, of course, showed up wearing the traditional black, except for the Colonel, who showed up wearing a really loud Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat. He <laughs> refused to go and look at the body. He didn't want to go and pay his respects. Instead, he whipped out a contract there at the viewing that he got Elvis's dad to sign, handing over control of Elvis Presley Enterprises to him oh 100%. My God and he said quite openly to the media that his philosophy was that Elvis was still alive, the body might be dead, but the brand could never die, Mm. the business could still thrive, and he would go on managing it. And this reminded me of what you said about Britney when she was in her conservatorship, that it's almost Mm, like they mm, wanted mm. her to die because then they could continue to manage her without her potentially getting in the way and causing any problems. Yeah. That seemed to be his And he's not wrong.
1: He's... He's not wrong about the brand, mm. the brand of Elvis, like Marilyn Monroe, it has lived on. Mm-hmm. And he it feels like he's alive. Yeah.
0: He yeah. earned, uh, sorry, he owned like 80% of the intellectual property oh, around Elvis's goodness. image. Um, so he continued yeah. to profit off that for a really long time. Now, a couple of days after Elvis died, a reporter in the Netherlands called Dirk Verlenga got an anonymous phone call saying, do you know that Tom Parker is actually from Breda and his real name is Van Kouk. Now, Dirk Verlenga had heard this rumour, but he thought it was really just a rumour until he mm. got this call and he started sniffing around in Breda and found some locals who said that, yep, they'd been Andre slash Colonel Tom Parker's schoolmates back in the day. And so Uh he started publishing these people's accounts and asking the public for more information about what happened. Why did he disappear? Why did he change his name? Why did he stop contacting his family? He kept doing that over the next few years. And then in 1980, Mm. he finally got a meaningful response from someone in the form of a letter, which was sent by an anonymous person. Basically saying, I was told this information 19 years ago and I've sat on it that entire time. It's time for me to tell you. The letter then went on to outline a woman was killed in Breda by Andre on the same night he disappeared. That's why he went away and then tried to keep this secret covered up. Look into it. Here's as much information as I can give you to track down um, this case. And so then Dirk Verlinga went off and started investigating it and everything checked out and it seems that, yep, it was true and it's likely that this letter came from the brother or someone yeah. who knew him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even
0: still though, there was no evidence that would mean that they could arrest, charge, mm. convict the colonel And there are a lot of people who rush to the Colonel's defense and say he was incapable of murder. He was a pussycat. He was so playful. He was so generous. Mm. He had a.
1: And was this a big news story? Like, was it huge when it broke? No. Or not really? I think
0: it got the most amount of attention after the book that I've mentioned, The Colonel, came out. That was back in 2003. Oh, so not even that long no. ago. No, and by then the oh. colonel had been dead for five years. He died of a stroke oh, wow. in 97 when he was 87 years old. Yeah. Worth noting that none of his Dutch family were there at the funeral, but interestingly mm. Priscilla mm. delivered the eulogy in which she was very, very, flatter, uh, very flattering um, about the way she spoke about the colonel. Wow. Even though they'd had a bunch of legal tiffs after yeah, Elvis' death imagine. over who owned what and who got what revenue streams. yeah, She's always spoken really highly of him. Um, she even met up with Tom Hanks to talk about the Colonel as Tom Hanks was preparing for the role and everything she yeah. said was really positive. So she's certainly not alone. A lot of people still adore the Colonel, but then there are other people yeah. who say he had a terrible temper. They'd seen him Mm. get violent or they had been the recipient of his violence. They said he had a really bad cruel streak. And it is Mm. known that he liked to humiliate people publicly as well. Like he he was displeased with work someone did. He'd make sure that he would tell them off in front of other people and then, you know, demote them in some sort of really demeaning way. It's just a bit of a dick. Yeah. There are Split opinions on this guy, and I'll um, include a link to a documentary about him in the show notes that you can mm. watch and see this real spectrum of people's accounts of the Colonel and whether he Ooh, was sort of playful, fun-loving guy, or if he was actually a really, really sinister, evil figure who destroyed Elvis.
1: Well- he was probably both. Yeah. I mean, people contain multitudes. That's he right. was probably both. People are complex. Mm-hmm. He probably was playful and lovely and fun to some people and a psychopath to others.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the conclusion that Alana Nash comes to in the book, The Colonel, which mm. you know, they say it is one of the most comprehensive music biographies of all time. Um,
1: oh, I want to read yeah, it. If you're
0: into the history of that period of music I think you'll find it yeah. really fascinating or even if you don't necessarily have that much of an interest in music just to see the way he was able to adapt all these methods he used in circuses and carnivals into yeah. the music biz just
1: hustling is hustling yeah. no matter what yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, there are a lot of people who just think it is the greatest tragedy that Elvis never got to tour the world and think it's tragic yeah, that I, Elvis never got to do a proper tour. role. I can't believe I role. didn't know that. Mm.
1: I, didn't, I assumed that he had.
0: You would think that so. That is such a World's crazy fact. Star, but yeah, yeah. Didn't perform outside American soil apart from Canada. Um, also, just oh, this... Sort of broke my heart, although I don't know that it really makes a difference, but he was supposed to be in the version of A Star Is Born with Barbara Streisand.
1: (gasps) Stop it. The one that role played by Chris Christopherson. That's right. Yes. Stop it. No. And
0: Elvis really (sighs) wanted that. He was approached by Babs because he would have been the perfect aging rocker to take on that role. I'm sure the soundtrack would have been even more iconic. It's one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. Had oh, It had Elvis yeah. on would have taken it to the next level. He was offered $500,000 to do the role and Colonel Parker went back and said he'll do it for a million dollars plus $100,000 in expenses. And then he had all these other different conditions. And Barbara just went, thanks, yeah, I'll no. go with someone else. And Chris Christopherson just accepted oh, what was offered heartbreaking. to
1: him. Yeah. So Elvis always oh. wanted
0: roles like that, but he never got the opportunity because of the decisions oh, no. that the colonel was making. Um,
1: yeah. But
0: the colonel always maintained that it was Elvis who was making those decisions, so it's hard to oh, know exactly who to believe. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was just the gist of
1: wow. Andre
0: slash Colonel Tom Parker. What a dude. Mm, lived what quite a- the life.
1: What a, And so when he died, what circumstances did he die in? Did he have money? Oh, did he, good like,
0: question. So they estimate he would have earned well over $100 million over the course of his career. He had yeah. less than a million dollars left, and a lot um, of that million dollars was valuable memorabilia that he'd hung on to oh, over the years yeah, as opposed to liquid cash. Um, yeah. Yeah, he blew it all in gambling. Of course he did. Yeah. of course
1: he did. Mm. People like that always die with nothing. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, yeah. what
1: a story. Well done.
0: Um, so, yeah, it's sort of...
1: I really want to read that book.
0: Oh, you'll love the book. And I th- yeah. think it'll be really fascinating going in, if you haven't yet seen Elvis the movie, which you haven't, yeah. going in knowing this background of what was real yeah. and what was made up. Mm.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right. Well, have fun up in the up in the Nature, that you're going to.
0: I'll send photos of things that you don't want to look at.
1: Yes, I won't care about it at all, but I'm (laughs) sure it'll be lovely. All right.
0: Bye. Bye. Listener.